With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ever poor man podcast. That's right. My podcast. Nobody can tell me anything. To subscribe... Go to my website, poorman.com, click on the subscribe button. It's $10 a month. Try me one month, and then you can tell me off. How's that sound? We even have giveaways. This advertisement was not sanctioned by KCAA. In fact, it's a nightmare to them. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Org. For Culture Shocks with your host, Barry Lynn. All right, and welcome to today's edition of Culture Shocks. This is Barry Lynn. Today, a look at uh, what's being called uh, by its authors the money and media election complex. That's like the military industrial complex, except arguably even worse even more stable. We're joined by the authors of the new book, Dollarocracy. John Nichols has been with us a number of times, particularly talking about uh, his work as a uh, associate editor of the Capital Times, daily newspaper out in Madison, Wisconsin, during all of the fuss and fear are there. He's also the Nation Magazine's Washington, D.C. correspondent. And Robert McChesney's an endowed professor in the Department of Communications at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, the author of uh, more books. Uh, statistically, this is now true than most people read ever in their life after high school. John Nichols, Robert McChesney, thanks for being with us. Our pleasure. Hey, Bob, let me, uh, let's get some, some facts out here to start. How much, roughly, did either President Barack Obama or people supporting his presidential bid spend on his successful reelection? Oh, well over a billion dollars, and uh, just a little bit less than the Romney campaign and the Romney supporters spent. Uh, between them, we're looking at uh, over $2 billion dollars. And we're also, even more importantly, looking at a total election tab, which we chronicle in the book, of over $10 billion, mm-hmm. which is more than twice of what was spent just four years ago. And in real terms, factoring inflation is probably around 10 times what was spent a generation ago. Uh, there are people who say, when, you, when all is said and done and you look at the spending and all of this, if a president is doing a good job as an incumbent, why does he need to spend this kind of money, a billion dollars? Maybe the new guy on the block has to explain who he is and spend a gazillion dollars to do it. But if a president's successful, why does he have to spend all this money? 
Well, you know, I'll let John feel this. Well, I, I, I think Bob or I could probably answer the same way, and that is that this is not about success or failure anymore, and it is not about the quality of your candidacy, what you know, what your experience it is. It's the price of entry. And the incredible thing about our politics today is that the political class and the media, what we refer to as the money and media election complex, essentially vets candidates in or out of a race at the start. And it is done not on the basis of having one vote, not on the basis of having accomplished things, but on the basis of how much money they're raising. We detail in the book uh, this notion of a money primary. Right. And what we suggest is, and everybody knows the term now, but what we suggest is that the money primary uh, is not merely a function of fundraising. Because if it was just that, people could pile up money, some would, some wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It is the reality that our media now decides whether you are viable or not on the basis of how much money you can raise. Now, right. a grassroots populist candidate coming from, you know, folks who just don't have a lot of money but maybe do have a lot of votes, historically such a candidate might well have been viable, might well have been able to build up a head of steam. We've seen that happen. But today, that candidate is so dismissed, so written off by the media, that by the time you get toward the, the thick of the campaign, uh, they're not even accorded, you know, anywhere near yeah. equal attention. Yeah. And they're often left out of the debate. Yep, yeah, they are left out of the debate. We'll get to the debates in a minute. But they're also true that there's a kind of narrative that says if you're a person like in the United States senator or governor from the middle of the state who does not spend a lot of your time on the east and west coast, you can't get the big east and west coast money. You're not ever going to be a viable candidate. Governor Vilsack, for example. <laughs> right? But, that, well, but you argue with that narrative because you argue with the belief that you can't succeed anyway if the media would treat you responsibly. And that's, that's kind of the heart of the matter here because, you know, if we were just writing another book about money and politics, I, I would understand that people would say, you know, hey, we know it's a problem, we respect you for your work, uh, and move on to the next thing. This is not a book about money and politics. This is a book about where our politics are today, the structures of politics, how they work. And what we are arguing is that the money power has infused not just all of our politics, but our media and our governance to such an extent that the vote genuinely matters less than the dollar. And that is antithetical the American political process. Part of what those dollars do, of course, is buy advertising. And I just want my listeners to understand how this works. Uh, National media outlets do like political ads. All you have to do is look at how many of them are. You chronicle in the book how the Fox affiliate in the Washington, D.C. area actually added a half hour of news so that they could have even more space available for ads. But, Bob, does it cost as much to advertise Senator Jones for 60 seconds as it does to advertise uh, Count Chocula chocolate cereal for 60 seconds? Is all ad revenue the same? Well, actually, some time ago, Congress passed a thing that candidates had to be charged the lowest possible amount uh, within, I think, 60 days of the election. So those last 60 days, the candidates would pay a lowest amount on the rate card. The problem with that theory is that so much of the advertising is done before 60 days. And then Mm -hmm. since the Citizens United case, 
Um, the majority of advertising now is being paid for by what are called third-party groups, super PACs, oftentimes paid for with unaccountable dark money, and those groups do not, uh, are not eligible for any discount. So the money is obscenely huge. I mean, we talk about a $10 billion election. Mm-hmm. At least 60% of that money ends up in the bank accounts of a small number of media companies and on local television stations. The very same companies that are greasing their uh, profit picture with these revenues for which they do no labor. In other uh, words, the, the 60 percent, Bob, that comes from uh, the third-party groups. Does that include political action committees, uh, corporate interests, and also those C4s that say supported Romney, uh, even though in theory uh, oh, they're only supposed to be political 49 percent of the time? Are those the three big categories of the 60 percent? I mean, it's everything. And when I talk about the 60%, I mean, six billion of the 10 billion yeah. went to advertising. Yeah, that, that's the works. That covers everyone who did it. And I mean, the, the tragedy here, Barry, is that uh, these news media, they get their broadcasting licenses theoretically because they'll act in the public interest. Right. And when it's been defined, the highest, the first order of public interest uh, by the FCC and the courts has been coverage of local elections, election campaigns. Mm-hmm. These same companies are just absolutely raking in the money, bombarding us with idiotic and moronic campaign ads, uh, have pretty much discontinued any effective coverage of any campaigns, uh, leaving most voters, when they go into the ballot box, uh, going to vote, into the booth, uh, having really only ads to rely upon for knowledge of most of the races they will be voting on. Okay, now that, of course, is what the candidates say. That's what the ad agencies say. That's what the political action committees that are raising money from other people say. On the other hand, at the national level, let's start with the national level, don't most of us just discount this stuff and assume that it is spin at best and lies at worst? Well, I'll just quickly answer that one because I know John has something to say, too. Sure. I think the evidence is the key way to understand this is this is not a traditional market like trying to sell uh, candy or horseshoes or something. And this is a market in which if you have 50.001%, you win everything. It's winner take all. If you have 49.99, you lose everything. So it's not how 100% of the population responds that matters. It's really a very small margin that determines victory or defeat. And the evidence is clear. Advertising is extraordinarily important for that very small margin. And, 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 it is a, and it is a small group of people. John, we're going to get your response to that as well. John Nichols and Robert McChesney are with me. They're authors of Dollarocracy, How the Money and Media Election Complex is Destroying America. When we come back, we're going to explore this some more. We'll talk about how much does the average person care about money? Uh, I said to a guest last week, everybody hates the fact that there's so much money in politics, particularly in the nefarious way that we're talking about in the book Dollarocracy. On the other hand, uh, they still say uh, we'd rather keep our guns and we don't want to go to war again. In other words, talking issues more than money. We'll be back on Culture Shocks. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. 
Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. Utopia Silver understands that mainstream medicine and the rising cost of health care can financially destroy any family. We simply cannot afford to get sick. The only option is to stay healthy. Americans are learning that ill health is not caused by a deficiency of drugs. It's usually the result of a deficiency of minerals, vitamins, proper nutrition, and exercise. UtopiaSilver.com offers colloidal silver and healing protocols for vaccine and radiation poisoning, arthritis, insomnia, and more. If you're sick of unconstitutional government mandates, then stand up now and say no. The time is growing short to put this evil genie back in its bottle. Join Utopia Silver in promoting good health and fighting for our God-given health care rights. Visit utopiasilver.com, U-T-O-P-I-A-Silver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338.
right, back to Culture Shocks. I'm your host, Barry Lynn, and we're talking to both John Nichols of The Nation magazine and Robert McChesney, professor of communications at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. They've written a great new book called Dollarocracy, How the Money and Media Election Complex is Destroying America. So, John, do you have any uh, continuing thoughts on this question? Don't people just discount the ideas that they see in political ads because they know either they believe everything because they're dogged Democrats or Republicans, or they just assume the other guy is lying and they throw up their hands and just hope they can, I don't know, come across a... a a site on the Internet that they trust? Well, the answer to your question is uh, much of what Bob said in the previous segment there about the fact that you're really going for only a small portion of the population. There's something else that's going on with these ads, and we chart it in the book, and this is, this is something that goes far beyond money in politics. This is something that the, what we refer to as the money and media election complex, it, it is, makes central to its work, and that is diminishing or narrowing the size of the electorate. And the ads are very, very effective in that regard. Mm -hmm. In many Senate races last year, you had over 90% of all ads, be they from candidates, the parties, PACs, dark money, whatever, 90% of all ads, sometimes as much as 98% of all ads, were negative. They told you that the other candidate was evil. And I mean, you, Barry, I know you're a man of the world, but... You cannot imagine the darkness and the, the negativity of these ads. They really are essentially saying, if you vote for this person, the apocalypse will be unleashed. Yeah. Yeah. And so the effect of those ads is to take substantial portions of people who might engage with our political process and drive them out of it, to drive them to the margins, to make them give up on candidates they might have believed in, or to simply give up on the process in general. And remember that the cumulative effect of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten billion dollars of mostly negative campaigning mm-hmm. is to make, in much of this country, a majority of citizens decide not to vote. And uh, that, don't underestimate that's, that that's a big part of why people don't vote. No, absolutely. And uh, the, now there used to be a lot of data suggesting that the non-voter in America, Bob McChesney, was pretty much like the voter, except for one thing, they didn't bother to go to the polls. Uh, has there been any research done in the 2008-2012 election cycles suggesting that there is a difference, that the non-voter really could make a difference? Well, I think those surveys you refer to oftentimes are taken, like, immediately after the election. Right. And people basically usually will say the winner uh, more often than <laughs> not, uh, we've found. In fact, the, word, the really rigorous studies of non-voters have found that it's quite different than that uh, impression, that voting in the United States is very much class-based and has been for a good century, but it's gotten worse in the past generation, meaning that if you're from someone in the top fifth or sixth of the population in terms of income is twice as likely to vote as someone in the bottom fifth or sixth of the population. Mm. So the median voter in the United States tends to be in the 60th percentile for income. Uh, It tends to be a more affluent undertaking for people to vote. And this is, uh, so if one assumes that poor people would vote the same as rich people, uh, then I think that's a logical inference that it doesn't really matter that we have probably the lowest voter turnout of any major a democracy yeah, we do. Right. well behind most countries. I think that's preposterous. I think the sure. research shows that if we voted instead of at 52% for national races, 
we voted at the rate of uh, most respecting democracies in the 70, 75, 80 percent range, and that voting voters then came disproportionately from the ranks of the poor, we would probably have a politics that would be much more sympathetic to the plight of the poor and be in favor of policies to assist the poor. That's uh, correct, and undoubtedly uh, Joe Biden would be running the uh, task force on the poor instead of just the task force on the middle class. Uh, I think it might even do that. Uh, what if some people say, look, uh, we're not going to get any this money out. We're never going to do it. But what if there was instant, instant reporting of exactly who gave money to whom and how much it was, and then we could see to whom that candidate is likely to be beholden? Would that make any difference in your mind, or would, is that just uh, tinkering with the deck chairs? Uh, I'll take a grab at that and tell you it's absolutely I don't know if this this new metaphor of yours tinkering with the deck chairs is uh, it's either <laughs> tinkering around the edges or, or rearranging the deck chairs. No, but There's I many metaphors for not getting done with something. Yeah, well I'm just a worldly guy. You've already established that. As I, it yeah. is yeah. when exactly. you were on the Titanic. Exactly. It was a fine time. Leonardo and I had a great time, yes. And but I will tell you, Bob and I believe with a in a, a deep passion in transparency. We favor all transparency initiatives as regards money and politics. We think it's great, instant reporting and all that. But let me suggest a, a metaphor to you, Barry. If a tsunami was hitting where you were living, mm -hmm. instant reporting of the drops of water would probably not have a lot of impact on it. Right. Right. And I'm afraid that we have a tsunami of money in our politics. It's coming from so many directions. And the worst money is so cloaked. It comes through so many levels of secrecy. But even if it was, quote-unquote, transparently reported, we show evidence in the book, we show, show examples in the book, where because of the structures of so-called charities that a lot of this money goes through, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be reported sometimes for years after the election. That's right. That's so right. I, I, we just, I, I, you know, I love transparency. I'm 100% for it. It is not the cure to the crisis. Yeah. Uh, let's turn uh, to the debates. Uh, Bob McChesney needs to leave us shortly, but uh, you talk in the book about the debates, and debate number one, of course, Jim Lehrer just lets uh, Mitt Romney uh, kind of make stuff up. Now, uh, I thought other moderators uh, were considerably better, including Candy Crowley, who's my favorite moderator of television anywhere, and I could watch her 24-7, and we could just fire everyone else. But what's the moderator supposed to do? He hears something that just doesn't sound right, but maybe he doesn't, he doesn't have an encyclopedia with him at the time or even a Wikipedia. What should a guy like Jim Lehrer have done? Well, I think we have to really rethink the whole debate thing. It's right now the debates have been rigged by the two parties to prevent any third parties from participating and also to make it so that it's more of two mutual press conferences than an actual substantive right. debate as politicians once had. We've got to go back to the League of Women Voters or some nonpartisan neutral group arranging the debates, get it out of the hand of the media corporations and the parties. And I think it's imperative that we let third, fourth, fifth parties uh, participate in the debates. I think the evidence is clear from countries that have multiple parties in their national debates, even candidates who are not considered uh, likely to win. They broaden the range of debate. They, they make the debates much more interesting. They draw people sure. into public life. And uh, by what we have is a debate that absolutely does everything in its power to minimize interest in politics and to make it virtually impossible to learn anything of any value. It's simply who said the biggest gaffe, 
it's absurd and it's an insult what we call debates in this country. No, it is. And every once in a while, you know, there there are public television stations, uh, even during uh, primaries, that will do a debate in a place like New Hampshire, even before the New Hampshire primary, and they'll have the socialist candidate and the Constitution Party ultra-right candidate. And I'll tell you, they're really interesting to watch. Would that we could see more of that at the national level. Bob McChesney, I know you have to go, but thanks very much for being with us. John Nichols is going to stick around, Washington correspondent for The Nation magazine, among many other things. The book we're talking about is Dollarocracy, a very good look at not just media and polit- money in politics or media in politics, but the conglomeration of media with the money that drives it all. We'll be back on Culture Shots. You're listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal, and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. Oklahoma reminds us there are many kinds of storms in our lives. Nature regularly sends us destructive storms. 24 hours before a storm strikes, people panic. It would be wise to prepare ahead of the panic curve. The food price storm from drought and livestock problems is forecast to hit ridiculous heights by the end of the summer. Wonder if there will really be a problem? eFoods Direct has a plan to maximize your food dollar and guarantee you'll be glad you ordered food. Until July 10th, buy three of any food item and receive the fourth one free with free shipping. The guarantee, after September 20th, when you've seen what happened with food prices and shortages, if you're not glad you ordered food, return the food unopened for a full refund. Go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex or call 800-409-5633. Your peace of mind guarantee. eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex or 800-409-5633. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com.
Attention preppers. Think you've got everything? Think again. You need rescue tape. The ultimate emergency repair tape. Used by the U.S. Army on trucks and tanks. As part of their battle damage repair kit. Rescue tape is 20 times stronger than duct tape. Rescue tape repairs leaky pipes and hoses up to 500 degrees. Waterproofs electrical connections. And even works right over oily, dirty surfaces. Rescue tape belongs in every prepper's survival kit. Bug out bag. And emergency kit. Get rescued. Or just get stuck. Learn more at rescuetape.com. If you want to approach companies with your invention, the first step is to secure your patent rights. We are Russ Weinzimmer & Associates, a national law firm dedicated to helping you get strong protection for your invention. Already selling a product based on your invention? There may still be time to lock in your rights. Just call us at 800-621-3654 for your confidential free consultation or visit strategicpatentlaw.com. That's strategicpatentlaw.com. All right, we are back right here on Culture Shocks. John Nichols, the co-author of Dollarocracy, stays with us. How the money and media election complex is destroying America. John, we call him Metaphor Magic Nichols. That was a great metaphor, the tsunami. If it's coming to hit your house, just learning about how many raindrops there are, that doesn't, uh, that, that, that really doesn't tell you much or help you much. I do want to tell you something. I don't know who your favorite political pollster is, the person who really nailed at least the presidential election. I will tell you, though, about something that happened to me, Hurricane Sandy. I was coming back from Asia, flying right into Washington the day before uh, Hurricane Sandy hit. Of course, uh, it hit. Uh, there was a lot of damage in our neighborhood, a lot of uh, trees through roofs and all that kind of stuff. But I happen to have, and uh, this is not actually partisan, it's more artistic, but I do have a Democratic donkey that stands in front of our house. It was one of these things that was an art project uh, exhibited in Washington about 10 years ago, and you could bid on it at the end of the summer. Uh, and for some reason, this one, nobody, hardly anybody bid on it, so we have this big statue of a donkey, a huge tree. We counted the rings, over 100 years old oak tree fell just right. Uh, Right at the time of Sandy, near the donkey, it missed it by about one to two inches. I put that on my Facebook page. I said I'd leave it up to you, folks, what, looking at this Facebook page. Is this a portent of the election? Barack Obama wins, but only by a couple of points. Well, that's what happened. So, your little tsunami uh, argument, talk about an oak tree falling on a statue of a donkey, and I'll tell you, I can predict any election that way. I'm loving it. I mean, yeah, I don't want the, the pain and suffering of uh, any more big storms to have to no. make you a political no. fear. Uh, I, but I will, I, I will correct you on something very late. Yeah, I know. You're going to tell me it was more than two percentage points. It was more than yeah. two percentage points. It was, yeah. you know, the better part of five percentage points. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, a 50, 51 plus to yeah. around almost exactly 47. That's right. Uh, a five million vote victory. Yeah. But this is a part of what we write about in the book, the, the challenge of how our media covers politics. We have a media in the United States now that is absolutely obsessed with instantaneous results <laughs> right. and with declaring the process to be finished. 
Right. People have nothing to do after the election. This is a deeply problematic, I would go so far as to say, assault on democracy. Because the fact of the matter is, we now have a situation, you ask, why are there all these exit polls? Why is there this incredible drive uh, for electronic voting, for instant results? Right. Well, it's driven by the media. It's yes. not driven by the people. No. The people would be glad to wait a couple days and get exactly. it right. Exactly. Exactly right. But uh, it's, it's all about this. It's stretching out the time in preparation and narrowing the time of giving the results. It's exactly and, the opposite of what most countries do. And what it should be. Because exactly. when we have a media system that looks for instantaneous results, they declare it on the night. That has dramatic impact on the process itself. For instance, on the night of the election in 2012, uh, you had, well, within hours of the, the closing of the polls, you had Haley Barber, the former Republican National Committee chairman, going on national television and saying, it's pretty close to a tie. Yeah. And then you had, uh, even several days later, you had Paul Ryan coming forward and saying, well, we're, in, we're pretty much an evenly divided nation. <laughs> well, no, we weren't an evenly divided nation. No. Barack Obama won by 5 million votes. Yeah. His margin of victory, his percentage of votes that he got was higher than the percentage of votes received by John Kennedy in 1960, Richard Nixon in 1968, Jimmy Carter in 1976, Ronald Reagan in 1980 when we said he had some kind of landslide, and Bill Clinton in either of his elections, and then George W. Bush in 2000 or 2004. You know, the fact of the matter is, whether you like Barack Obama or not, he won a mandate but that was not reported in our media. No, it is not. It is not, and was not the story because everybody's focused on these handful of states and whether they really come down to the horse race that the media wants desperately because they want you to stay there because even on election night they're advertising something, albeit usually not the candidates. Uh, usually uh, the Count Chocula cereal. Now, let's, let's talk about this advertising. Does an individual station that's advertising for, say, a congressional candidate where it's more likely, more likely to matter than even the presidential candidates, do they have the right to reject a political commercial that comes directly from the candidate, and is it different if it comes from a third party? Well, there's very little right to reject. Uh, it's extremely limited. Uh, technically, they do, of course, because if if you point out that there is gross inaccuracy, if something is just flat out false, and you can confirm it, yeah. or if it's actually grotesque in some sort of horrific way, and we've had right. examples of, of people putting some pretty awful things in ads, right. there are limits, and stations can withdraw them. The fact of the matter is, stations could say all the time, you know, look, we we just aren't going to do this. We we think as the Norwegian government does, and this is a very interesting thing. Mm. In Norway, uh, they don't allow any political ads, uh, any, you know, 30-second spots, anything like that. Nope. Because they say they're propagandistic. Yes. They say, it's, 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 you know, you're, you're, creating, you're doing false messaging. It's inappropriate. In America, of course, our stations don't say that because we have not fully funded or developed out a public media or a publicly sustained media. Our media lives on ad dollars. And so in most cases, no matter how grotesque, no matter how disreputable ads may be, stations actually literally suck them up. They want them sure. desperately. And I'll tell you how extreme this has gotten. Just this week it was reported that Gannett, 
and Tribune Company, two of the mm-hmm. largest uh, broadcast companies in the United States, were both buying stations in battleground states. They were specifically huh. looking for TV stations in battleground states because the revenues are so great in election years. Sure, sure. So they're not buying stations because it's in a good market. They're not buying stations because, you know, it has a good local news show or anything like that. They're literally looking across the map of the United States and saying that we now have such an embedded media and money election complex. It is this machine keeps running so intensely, $10 billion in the last cycle, you know, $20 yeah. billion in the next, that they want to be there to reap sure. the money. So the Gannett, they're not trying to add stuff. No, so the Gannett and, and the Tribune Company, they're buying these for the purposes of making money. This is not like in the earliest days of, of uh, telegraphic wire services where, I forget what the first one was called, but where they were, uh, they wanted to endorse certain candidates. They wanted to switch the news to support their person in office. These guys aren't trying to do that. They don't much care. They only care about the money. Is that the basic bottom line? Some of them do. I mean, there's no doubt that that uh, with these purchases, it does look like it's just pure bottom line. Yeah. And that as more traditional advertising, Coke and Pepsi, for instance, McDonald's, yeah. goes increasingly into your phone, right? They're, right. They're trying to communicate directly to you. Of course. It happens that because our electorates tend to be older yep. uh, and tend to rely on tertiary old school television, yep. uh, the boom area, the area that is keeping television stations highly profitable is political advertising aimed at older voters. And so they are they're definitely going and making purchases with an eye toward this. This is a part of their calculus. Indeed. Now, there are other folks who do, you know, it is fair to say that there are still some folks who look at making media purchases potentially for political impact. And, of course, that brings us uh, to, to the our Koch friends brothers. Koch brothers. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and they may, there's some doubt about how in sense they are clear they are about wanting to do this but i'm sure if the opportunity uh, presents itself they will do so they will buy their very papers in places like oh my goodness florida dollarocracy is the book we're talking about how the money and media election complex is destroying america john nichols uh, the washington correspondent for the nation magazine is my guest and when we come back i do want to talk a little bit more about the content of what passes as news and why it doesn't inform the electorate. I mean, we got left of center, right of center, center of center. This isn't good enough. We'll be back on Culture Shocks. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? 
messages about intelligent design. Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Ouch! My back is out again! Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design Design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. Have you ever wondered why farmers can keep their livestock lean and healthy just by feeding them minerals in a nutrient-dense diet? Before market, they cut off their minerals, leaving them to crave high-calorie grains to fatten them up. So if weight control is this easy, why does the medical system prescribe invasive surgical gastric bypass for humans? The truth be told, according to research, you can avoid over 900 different diseases just by getting 90 essential nutrients daily. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com and order your Healthy Start Pack and get your 90 for life. Or dial 855-301-TEAM. I said essential, not optional, and every day. Easy. 90 for life on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com or call 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com at sonsoflibertyteam.com. Today's conversation with the co-author of the new book, Dollarocracy, 
And that's John Nichols, a Washington correspondent for The Nation magazine. He's the associate editor of the Capital Times out there in Madison, Wisconsin, a frequent guest on all kinds of TV shows, which brings me to the kinds of people that are on TV shows. Uh, page 178 of the book. It says, when commercial television came along, it adopted the professional code and, if anything, accentuated some of its weaknesses, creating the absurd circumstance of partisan, quote, talking head, unquote, guests on news, again, in quotes, news shows arguing over who is telling the truth while a highly paid host refuses to make the call as to which side is lying. I think that's true and and an important observation, except now it's gotten even worse because these talking heads are uh, they're consultants. They're not even purportedly experts. You don't even have the Sierra Club guy arguing with the Competitive Enterprise Institute guy. You just have a person labeled Democrat consultant, Republican consultant, who knows enough because a nitwit could know enough to spend three and a half minutes on television talking about anything, and that passes as news. It's even worse than when it started. It it is. And, in fact, very incredible thing is that you suggested knows enough. Actually, the best guests are often people that know very, very little at all. Yeah, Because the fact of the matter is they never get off the talking points. They, they stay firm to the message, even if they're completely wrong. And the amazing thing about what has happened you know, with television is not that it's become more opinionated. Um, that's actually not bad at all. I don't mind that Fox is conservative. Sure. I don't mind that, you know, some people think of MSNBC as a little more liberal. You know, I, I, that, that doesn't bother me at all. It's, it's the quality of the conversation. You exactly. know, what you want is that amidst, you know, let me put it this way. Conservatism, to my mind, is a rich and varied and fascinating ideology mm-hmm. with many gradations within it. And during a Republican presidential campaign, I would expect the Fox Network to give me, you know, a, a really wonderful mix of, of different takes and different variations from the libertarian all the way over to a rather authoritarian conservatism. That's right. Well, ultimate, they don't. The fact of the matter is, that that it, in too much of our media now, it isn't just that they're partisan. It isn't even just that they're ideological. What they really are is goal-oriented, and they want to shape a conversation mm-hmm. that you know so narrows the debate, so you know diminishes the discourse that we end up actually at times knowing less after you know watching one of these discussions than we knew going in. Because going in, we actually had a sense, wow, there's a big problem here. You know, we ought to deal with it. And then you have people actually come and say, no, 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 it's not a problem at all. (laughs) You know, and and the fact of the matter is, in a healthy democracy, we ought to have a lot of opinions. We ought to have, and I'm not trying to make you feel good, but we ought to have you on there, you know, on a regular basis Mm -hmm. debating you know, not just about the classic church-state issues, right. some of those things that have concerned you, but about all the variations that come out from it. Sure, absolutely. But we don't do that. Instead, no. we put a Republican and a Democrat to come on 
and they may do two minutes on abortion or something yep, like that. Exactly. But then they go on to, what does this mean for Rick Perry's presidential campaign? Absolutely. Absolutely. The presidential campaign, which ironically, who knows, could be restarted, although he will not be running for governor again. Now, some people say, John, the solution, it's all about digital news. You can go to the left. You can go to the right. You can go to the libertarian right. You can go to the more authoritarian right and read the Family Research Council. He sends me something every day. You can get all your views, except we're learning two things. Number one, what we tend to do is we go to the websites that confirm our previous beliefs, so we're not really challenged. And then second, a lot of these websites, in fact, uh, frankly, the website might as well just be a scrawl on your basement bedroom wall in your mother's house because it's going to get about as much visibility there as it does on the worldwide internet so we have a lot and in that sense it's democratic but we don't have much of a filter for figuring out what's good and useful information that's exactly right and you know the, the important thing to understand about the transference that's going on this is a big thing we talk about in the book it, it, traditionally Communities in America had multiple newspapers. Yep. Each of those newspapers had a newsroom. They had political writers, government writers, schools writers. They had people that went out and competed to cover each story by gathering a lot of information. And sometimes they might have had a point of view. They might have had a perspective. Yep. But at the end of the day, these were you know information-based you know perspectives on what was going on in your community. Now, across this country... Very few communities have more than one newspaper. Many communities now have no newspaper. We literally have major daily shutting. The layoffs in the news business are massive, literally in the tens of thousands of people, uh, job positions that used to be reporting on communities no longer filled. And there is no evidence, and I want to emphasize that, mm-hmm. big line under it, a big circle around it, there is no evidence of a, a appropriate level of hiring on the Internet to fill that no. gap in news gathering. So what we end up on the Internet is, le- first off, traditional media, less news gathering, dramatically less than we used to do. And then on the Internet, commenting on that less <laughs> news gathering. Right. So we have a lot of discussion yep. about less. And in this, in this void, this <laughs> huge void that's been created, the one thing that can step in and shift the discourse is the money power. That's right. Money can come and literally set up internet sites, set up you know fake news sites, literally just you know buy their way into the discourse because they're not relying on ad dollars as a news website might. And news websites don't make enough on ad no, dollars to hire not. a big staff. Of course not. So what we've done is we've ended up in a situation now where the money power is supercharged. It is more powerful now than it has been at any time since the Gilded Age. And the end result is that as voters, as citizens, we are more propagandized now than we've been at any time in our lifetimes. Yeah, and uh, we uh, apparently don't always understand that. We don't quite get it. I want to just turn to one other thing, John, before we have to wrap this up. Uh, the introduction to your book, uh, the preface to the books written by Senator Bernie Sanders, a terrific independent senator from, from Vermont. Uh, he would like to amend the Constitution to deal with uh, some of, at least some of the issues raised by the Citizens United case. Do you think that it is worth people spending time in an attempt 
to overturn this decision through a constitutional amendment, which would, of course, whether you like the idea or not like, would at least tinker, to go back to tinkering, with the First Amendment. Well, it wouldn't tinker with the First Amendment. It would take us back to our original definition of the First Amendment. And that's a very important thing to understand. Those who propose a constitutional amendment to overturn the Citizens United ruling are not asking for radical change. Uh, they're asking to take us back to where we were from 1787 mm-hmm. until 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the fact is the radical shift was in 2010 when we began to define corporations as human beings. I would argue that the real radical shift goes back a little further to yeah. 1976 when you started to have a host of Supreme Court decisions that that tipped the balance. And yeah. they said something that's, that we don't put enough into the discourse, and that is we have made speech unequal. Now, some people will argue that money is speech. Some people argue that money is not speech. Mm-hmm. But the one thing you cannot argue is that in our current circumstance, speech is not equal. Correct. And someone with a lot of money can shut down somebody, or even a lot of people, with very little money. Yep. Now, if, if my friends, you know, some of my friends who favor the Citizens United ruling, really believe money is speech, then yep. to create a genuine democratic discourse, they ought to give everybody an equal amount of money. Yes. Right? Then we can yes. all buy our own ads. But in the absence of that, we create a circumstance where we effectively say the money power will will always have an advantage. And so amending the Constitution in this regard is, a, is to my mind, a, a very minor step. The fact of the matter is what we really do need to do and what we argue in this book is mm. we have to be much more comfortable with our Constitution. Mm-hmm. We've fetishized it. We yep. have turned it into... Um, something that, that cannot be touched. That is not how Madison or Jefferson or the other founders intended. Remember, That's the founders clear. of the American experiment amended it almost imme- amended the Constitution almost immediately. Of course. And they, amendments on Exactly. And they started with the Articles of Confederation, and they went to amend those, and they said, you know, let's throw the whole thing out and start with a Constitution. And then we'll add the Bill of Rights later. It's always a pleasure, John, talking with you. John Nichols, along with Robert McChesney, who is on for the first half of the show, the authors of Dollarocracy, How the Money and Media Election Complex is Destroying America. New book, Out of Nation Books, and uh, a really good and important read. That does it for today's edition. I'm Barry Lynn. We'll talk again. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, 
this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors want to talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Mothers the world over have told their children a zillion times, stop playing with your food. I now share their frustration and would like to yell at the conglomerate packagers of America's victuals, stop playing with our food. Actually, they're playing with our heads, using dishonest packaging tactics to raise their prices without us noticing it. A 16-ounce carton of something, shh, quietly slips to 14 ounces, but does not drop in price. Then there's the dimple trick. A jar of Hellman's mayonnaise, for example, has had its contents shrunk, yet the new jar looks as big as the old one, unless you turn it on its end. There, you'll find a big indention in the bottom, a hidden way to shrink the capacity of the jar and give you less for your money. David Siegel, who writes the Hagler column in the New York Times, recently reported on his Adventures in Craft Foods Land. He talked to a PR lady there about the corporation's unpublicized but rather dramatic change in its baker's brand of cooking chocolate. Instead of an 8-ounce package selling for three eighty-nine, suddenly a box of baker's contained only 4 ounces of chocolate, which sells for two eighty-nine. Wow, that's nearly a 50% price hike per ounce. What gives, Siegel asked the craft spokeswoman. The change was consumer-driven, she craftily replied. Our consumers have told us that they prefer this smaller size. Uh, sure, said Siegel, but what about that slippery price? She was as slippery as the price, declaring that the product is competitively priced. That was not the question, but her whole game is to avoid giving the honest answer. We're gouging our customers. This is Chum Hightower saying, conglomerate food packagers not only feel free to dupe us consumers but also they're considering such corporate chicanery to be a legitimate business practice. In recent years, more Americans are becoming uncertain about the future, especially since the idea of global warming has evolved from a political debate to a general acceptance that climate change is real. It's resulting in more violent weather and violent extremes in temperature. It serves no purpose here to speak of fear or to live in fear. But there are common-sense signs that suggest that our food security is being impacted. 
The USDA makes annual forecasts of our nation's corn crop each year. It's instructive to review recent corn yields simply to look at how they are faring with regard to projections. You know, a majority of our diet has corn in it. Did you know that corn production in America has fallen below normal for the past several years? The 2012 crop averaged only 123 bushels to the acre, which is almost one-fourth below USDA projections. This year, the USDA is projecting another record crop, while one-half of the country remains in severe drought. At the same time, we're eating our way through our cattle herds. Ranchers are cutting back herd size because of drought. This year's calf crop will be the lowest since 1949, and the annual calf crop has been declining since 1995. None of this is very good news for our food supply. Recently, I discovered a service called Go Foods. The company packages and sells dehydrated, non-GMO, ready-to-eat meals with a long shelf life. After investigating the company, I bought a URL and it's called www.kcaafoods.com. Now this website forwards to the Go Foods product site. Again, Go Foods packages, prepares, and delivers monthly supplies of ready-to-eat, dehydrated, non-GMO meals right to your residence. You simply order it online and you get a month's supply by mail. My Go Food service costs a little over $100 a month, and in a few months I'll have a good stockpile of non-GMO meals in my pantry. Some meals have a shelf life of over a decade, so my wife just stores them in ice chests and then they can be accessed later if we need them. Also, some people buy Go Foods and add them to their regular menu. Either way, it's a good deal. Obviously, committing $100 a month to stored foods is a cheap insurance policy. So to subscribe to this food service, just like I have, go to the following website, www.kcaafoods.com, or call toll-free 855-909-1050. My name is Fred Lundgren. I'm the founder and CEO of KCAA Radio, and I agree with this message. There's a man named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician, Doc asks, Why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our health care system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Thanks, Alex. To purchase Longevity products, go to the KCAA website at kcaaradio.com and click on the Longevity banner on the upper right side of the KCAA homepage. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that needs no listener behind. Life is like a battlefield. 
There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. It's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sound. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Satan's armies come to kill. 